Athletic. Right, Reds, Tony Evans here with Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic. Well, the curtain comes down in a fitting manner to end a season of woe. We'll talk about the draw on the South Coast, what comes in the summer, and review our best and worst moments of the past 10 months with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. But let's start with your three words. Over in the Walk On podcast Facebook group, they had this to say. Jonathan Rapley, Ian Duncan and Arwell Luke and various other people have variations of Glad It's Over. Jane Stacey, longest season ever. Roy Crosby, let's start again. And John Selden, Everton teased us. Kiva, a final three words of the season. It's all over. Oh, another it's all over. Andy. Gotta go with it. We're just happy. It's over. It's done. <laughs> uh, I think mine would be moving swiftly on because I don't want to think about this season again for a long time. James. Uh, I'll go for just learn lessons. I think definitely glad it's all over, but unless lessons are learned, we could be, we could be, could be sat here in 12 months talking about something equally as underwhelming. I'm going to go for I hate summer. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Bring back football. <laughs> to join our community of listeners on Facebook, just search Walk On Podcast and join the group. You just glad it's over now. Yeah, very, very. Absolutely. Jürgen agreed, glad it's over at the press conference. What did you make of that? <laughs> it was it, it was the kind of final day game, doesn't it, that you, we've seen happen previously where both teams making a lot of changes, both teams uh, having nothing effectively riding on it. That it, it was just chaotic, wasn't it? And um, it seemed fitting in a way, really, that the, the season should end in, in that manner, really, scrambling to, to salvage a point against a team preparing for life in the championship and um, we probably didn't learn anything new I don't think in terms of we, we all know some major surgeries required to that squad this summer there's been those defensive frailties and big gaping holes in midfield that that Liverpool really struggled with for probably the first two-thirds of the season you know they were they were back with a vengeance at St Mary's on on Sunday the lack of tackles um you know, that, I mean, the goal, the Suleimani goal, when he was able to run from inside his own half and no one got anywhere near him, was a, was a throwback to kind of the, those dark days of January, February and March. Um, but also a reminder that for all those issues, Liverpool do boast some serious firepower. And when you see you know Jota emphatically stick away his second goal in the manner he did, it, it just makes you think, you know, if only... If only he had been fit for most of the season. If only Diaz was the same. Things may have been different. Yeah, Kiva 2-0 up and then Southampton. Southampton? When all Real Madrid on us? I mean, could, could you believe some of the defending? It was the last hurrah, wasn't it? With absolutely zero riding on this game for either team. So I think it was kind of the 
game or result you could have expected in a weird way. And I think the season has built us up this like, you know, we're like shock resistant now, aren't we? Our shoulders are, you know, pretty tough because things have happened that we've just not expected and now come to expect. And I think yesterday, you know, when I checked and Liverpool were 2-0 up and then I think the next time I checked it was 4-2 and I was just like, hang on a minute, what's going on there? Um, but then also like, oh yeah, it's Liverpool this season and I think, yeah, just one of them, wasn't it? Gomez, Matip, Kelleher, all probably rusty coming in and it just, yeah, maybe not not quite the last performance that they really wanted to put in because had Liverpool been fighting for top four, I'm pretty sure they would have won that game four or five nil. Yeah, yeah. I, Andy, do you think anyone, well, you know, so the, the non-regulars... You took their opportunity there. I mean, it might be harsh to talk about Kelleher needing to do better. But, you know, <laughs> let's face it, he should have stopped two of them, shouldn't he? Yeah, I, I, I think when you look at that back four who came in, because there was a, a significant change to the back line, wasn't there? I think it's fair to say that, if anything, it sort of reaffirmed that Liverpool do definitely need to be looking at improving the, the, the defensive options coming into you know, in into next season. You're right. It's difficult to to sort of criticise them because, you know, when was the last time Kelleher played? When was the last time Gomez played or started? Mata, I think, was West Ham. So, you know, it's, they haven't played a lot of football and then asking them to sort of come in out of the cold, really, and then suddenly just in, in a system that, you know, those three haven't played in, those growing pains are probably going to be like Liverpool's where again in the first half against Arsenal, for example, for for the for everyone else who's been involved in that. So I don't think you can take much from that and certainly none of them sort of put the foot forward as I'm sh- I should be in on the first you know, on the team sheet for the first game of next season. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great afternoon for Kelleher. The second one obviously sort of goes under him and you think probably should have gone with his feet in that situation. And then the fourth one it looks like he, he's just a little bit too far over to his near post and, and sort of opens the goal up for, for Adam Armstrong to, to sort of stick it past them. But it's one of them, isn't it? He's he's still a he's still a young goalkeeper, you know, twenty four, not and a very inexperienced goalkeeper. And I, I imagine given the, the amount of games he's played for Liverpool and done really well, you're gonna have these types of games when you're young young keeper lane and then this will bet probably benefit him a lot more than some of the other ones where he's sort of stood in goal and been able to watch for most of the, the afternoon. Yeah. I mean let's face it what goalkeeper is going to feel secure with Gomez and Matip in front of him, James? Uh, where, where do they stand, those two? I mean, are we, is, have we seen the last of Matip? I think I think a lot will depend on what kind of offers are, are forthcoming. Um, you know, Klopp said back end of last week that as things stand, no one had no one had come to him and said that they wanted to to move on this summer. Um, and it's, yeah, it's all well and good to say, well, you know, you need to upgrade in that department, which I'd agree with, but you know, you, you've got players with contracts and, and you need to get the right deal to, to let someone move on. You know, Matip's obviously probably, I'd say the more likely of the two, because he's only got one, one year left on his contract. Um, there, there had been some talk about him potentially moving back to Germany, although recently, you know, Liverpool distance themselves from that. So it'd be interesting to see if that situation changes. Yeah, I mean, both of them struggled, didn't they, coming into the team? I do think, you know, as Andy said, I think I think you, you have to put it in the context of it's, it's not easy when you've played so little football just being thrown into a game, even a game where there's no real pressure riding on it because, you know, you've got no rhythm. You know, I think Gomez's last appearance was 
in the nil-nil draw at Chelsea. So, you know, neither of them had hardly had any minutes at all in in this kind of new system, with, which is effectively three at the back in possession. And, and yeah, they both struggled and, yeah, made life more difficult for Kelleher, who certainly didn't cover himself in, in glory on the day. Probably probably the first time, really, when Kelleher's played a senior game for Liverpool and, and not looked the part. Um, and I thought Simicus struggled as well at left-back coming in for for Robertson so um, yeah I think it did kind of make you think yeah for all the talk of of midfield reinforcements you know I think you could make a strong case that bolstering that back line is is equally as important this summer. Yeah Kiva I think Simicast as well you know the the school of thought that says oh you know you could move Andy Robertson on and have Simicast in there I think that, that was a bit of a wake-up call for them as well wasn't it? I think we sort of discussed on the last pod, didn't he? Uh, didn't we about Robertson and you know imagine him leaving Liverpool is just, I mean, nonsensical really, given the his performances a lot of the time over the past few seasons have just always been at a level, and he just drives Liverpool as much as possible. And sometimes you need that one player on the pitch to spark that in everyone else. And Andy Robertson's definitely been that, and then obviously his quality as well. I think at times this season. His level hasn't quite been there and he hasn't always looked as fresh as, you know, you'd maybe like to see him, but he still trudges up and down that left side, doesn't he? Um, doing his best. So I think, yeah, there's certainly Simicas can do a job and, you know, has proven that since he joined Liverpool and definitely made, you know, that headache of a backup left back go away for Klopp. But your first well, he's choice definitely left a backup, back is, though, isn't he? He's definitely a backup. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's a backup, isn't he? And when he comes in, you know, we're always usually sort of like, oh, Simakas had a great game. So when he does come in as backup, he does a good job. But I guess if, you know, Robertson was out for an extended period of time, then that would truly be sort of, you know, Simakas getting tested. Because at points, he's actually relieved Robertson of, you know, Robertson's maybe been dipping in his own form and then Simakas has come in, allowed Robertson to rest. And then, you know, you've seen Andy Robertson improve and get back to his best. And that's how crucial having backup options are. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Andy, of course, Firmino bowed out with a goal. You'd expect it. I mean, all right, he's gone now and we should move on and forget about him. But we've got to have one one last mention him for that goal. And he keeps he keeps doing it, doesn't he? He keeps just popping up with another goal to give us another opportunity to talk about him. And I quite like the fact that his, his last Liverpool goal is one where he sits someone on his arse uh, and then puts it past the keeper, which feels very Firmino, just because of the technical brilliance and, and all that type of stuff that we've we've spoke about a number of times in the last few weeks. Um, but yeah, another little. Um, he obviously got his, his his last Anfield goal, and it was nice for him to get his another goal and his last goal on his final appearance. And, and the manner of it was was really nice as well. Was it through the keeper's legs as well? Did I see? Yeah. It was. Which is, you know, come on, if Firmino's going to get a last goal, he's going to not make the goalkeeper. I love the Fabinho assisted him. Fabinho has like 10 assists for Liverpool now. Like not a not a person you'd expect to to play that pass, but obviously that Brazilian connection, I feel like it was the probably the nicest person to almost uh, assist them, especially because Fabinho's improvement as well sort of capped off maybe you know, over the past couple of months at least with that assist. And then Trent's pass, what the hell? That was world-class stuff again. Yeah, I mean, like all through the season, they show glimpses of being brilliant. And yet, oh, also of being a mess. 
This is Walk On, your Liverpool podcast from The Athletic with James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, we wanted a team from the South Coast to get a draw or even score four goals, didn't we? And they didn't. Now, let's talk about Everton. Actually, I'm quite pleased that they stayed up because it's better for the city. And, of course, I've got lots of Evertonian friends and some family. <laughs> Not really family. Um, but you've got, you know, and and, and so 70%, no, 80% of me wanted them to stay up and then 20% of me wanted them to go down. One, for the sheer malicious fun you get from it. And two, because of the abuse that I think... Anyone who's connected with Liverpool gets on social media from them. Um, and but you know, Kiva, you've got you've got a brother who's never told you. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think I've said this in the past. I'm not like there's there's no malice in my heart. I'm just I'm just a good soul trying to be a good person. And <laughs> so maybe that's why maybe that's why I told that I was just like, I think you know when the fixtures are announced, it's the first one I look for, no matter what, and always will be. I don't care about. You know, Man United might be next on that list, but it's Everton first for me and always will be, I guess. I mean, Brother Keaton's a big blue. And I mean, my family, like a lot on Merseyside, they just split down the middle. Um, so, you know, there was plenty of reds in the family yesterday, probably wanting to, Everton to go down. And then, you know, plenty of um, Everton fans at the game in my family as well. So, yeah, I just I just think it's something that, yeah, I, probably not the best person if you really want that, like, vitriol or whatever because I'm yeah I'm not going to give that because I just think yeah I, I think Liverpool would be a little bit lost without Everton like derbies are the best games every season even sometimes when they're just like nil nil and just tense I just think they're the ones that make you feel like no other game in the season can make you feel because you're going to be like in work the next day or you know in the Aldi and your neighbour who's an Evertonian's going to be like saying something you know it's that kind of stuff isn't it it's close quarter stuff and I just think yeah I think I'd kind of I guess, miss them. James, the, the city needs two Premier League clubs, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I must admit, like, I had slightly mixed emotions. I'm probably not quite as good a person as Kiva. And there was there was part of me that, um, you know, because I know plenty of Evertonians who probably the best night they've had in recent years has been when Liverpool have lost Champions League finals and been pipped to league titles. So you can't help but think of some of those people and, as you said, Tony, the abuse on social media. But, yeah, in terms of good mates of mine who were, you know, staunch blues, I was pleased for them. There was a big roar in the away end at St Mary's when news filtered through that Leicester had gone in front and um, it looked like Everton's long stay in the top flight might be coming to an end. But yeah, you're right. It is It is good for the city. And, you know, they've. I think I think the thing is with Everton as well, they've they've got a hell of a task on their hands. You know, things are relative, aren't they? We we talk about, you know, Liverpool being in a mess and, you know, what what a job there is to be done this summer. We're talking about Liverpool need two or three midfielders and a centre-half and, and we're confident they'll be back competing for the biggest prizes again. I think the issue with Everton is, you know, when you, when you look at the mess they are off the pitch um, as much as on it in terms of that squad, you, you almost think they're probably going to find themselves in a similar scrap again next time around because there's just so much work to be done but yeah I do hope that they can sort things out and, and get a degree of you know stability really yeah well the first thing I did at the, the final whistle there is think to myself oh you know uh, Andy I thought oh Luton well Luton are bound to go straight back down 
Oh, how good is Sheffield United and Burnley? Because Everton are going to be fighting for this again. But at least we got a derby. But, you know, you've seen a lot of Burnley, obviously, because you cover them. How big a challenge is it going to be for Everton again next year? Yeah, I think I'd agree with James. I think that they're probably in a better situation than you would think they'll be able to strengthen in the markets and I guess a lot with, of their... With their financial fair play situation? Ooh. Well, yeah, but you you know, you can you can wheel and deal a little bit, can't you? And I'm sure they'll be they'll be trying to find little bits and pieces they can add. And I mean to be honest, they a lot of their future relies heavily on Carvet Lewin and his fitness. I think without him coming back into the fray for that sort of little run, then I, I struggle to see how they would have stayed up. But yeah, it was it was one of them yesterday. I, I sort of half wanted them to go down because I thought it would be really funny. But then equally I was like yeah, I, I do want. I still do want the derbies, even though I hate the build-up and I hate the thought of losing to Everton. You know, you still love the derbies, as Kiva said. And I also, obviously, covering Burnley, spent three years talking to Sean Dyche and you know getting to know James Darkovsky and Dwight McNeil. So for them, I was I was happy for them that they're still Premier League players. But yeah, hopefully Burnley will go there and and also uh, take six points off them <laughs> next season as well. Well. Everton are going to have to do a lot of wheeler dealing. But Liverpool are as well, aren't they, James? You know, this summer, I mean, we've talked about it all year. We know how big the overhaul needs to be. <laughs> but go on, go through it again because it's the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is, isn't it? I think there's never there's never a summer at Liverpool, is that you go into and go, well, it's it's not an important summer. There is, there's differing levels, isn't there? And I think in the context of the Klopp era, this feels especially big, um, especially, I think, on the back of missing out on the Champions League, because I think there is a degree of kind of bated breath. You know, how, how is that going to impact things? Are we really going to see the, the kind of the statement of intent and show of ambition that supporters want to see from the owners? You know, are they prepared to to really back the manager despite the the, the financial hole left by missing out on Champions League football after six seasons of being in that competition? So yeah, there's you know I think Klopp touched upon it yesterday. He said you know yes I'll have a break. He said but you know it's it's just work of a different kind starting now. And he said it's and it's going to be a very busy one because you know we just in terms of numbers we know that don't we? You know the fact that he's saying goodbye to Firmino and Milner, Cater, Oxlade Chamberlain, obviously Arthur Mello going back to Juventus, having never graced the Premier League. He'll, he'll always have those thirteen minutes off the bench in Naples. And you look at that midfield area and you know, I, I would expect Alexis McAllister to become a Liverpool player this summer and it's going to be intriguing to see who else follows him through the through the door because you know you need a, I think you need three really I think if you're if you're serious about getting right back up there as we said before you need another athletic dynamic centre half and you know what what can Liverpool do in terms of the finance available to Klopp can they do exactly what he hopes to do do they have to cash in on a couple of players on the fringes of the squad we mentioned a few of those earlier on to generate revenue they're going to have to be quite clever and Klopp's going to have to probably be at his charismatic best in terms of selling the dream because you know no no Champions League does have an impact I think we've probably seen that already with you know David Ornstein broke the news last late late last week that Mason Mount's preference is now Manchester United you know I've seen a lot of people say well you know, I didn't want him anyway. The, the the kind of immediate reaction you get when when you, you when when you, when you kind of find that a player that your club's after might 
may prefer a move elsewhere. But I, I think that's just a, a little bit of a warning that, you know, life outside the Champions League does make things more tricky. And, you know, especially if that club, say Man United in that case, are able to match or even beat what, what Liverpool are offering in terms of wages. So, um, so yeah, they're, ne- they're going to need to be shrewd. They're going to need to be decisive as well, because you don't want these things, you know, dragging on. You know, Klopp wants, wants you know, the ideal is situation is that you have everyone together for the start of pre-season on July the 8th. Yeah, I mean, and he uses an order to the squad back in February. Has anything changed in terms of who you said should stay and should go? Um, I don't, I don't think it was massive changes. I think the the biggest one would have been, I think I had Fabinho, which at the time in February he looked like a player who was very much yeah. You you want him taken out and shot, if I remember. <laughs> Not quite my words. Uh, I don't think that's quite what it is. Yeah, that's but, exactly um... what you wrote. That's a quote from reading the town. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, he's probably the, the big change of, of someone who is you know has, has looked the part again. He's been much better in this new system, and I think it you know it suits him a lot more, gives him a lot less work to do, and he, he's been he's been better in it. I don't, I don't think there was many other sort of surprises in there other than the ones who have gone. I mean, I would have kept Firmino, but he's obviously not going to stay. Um, it's where the Liverpool need to replace him, but that was also done before Liverpool decided to become, you know, an inverted fullback team and sort of suddenly you're looking at some of the players and thinking, do they do they sort of suit exactly what this role is? So Simakash is an example where I think he's more of a left wing back than a left centre back and Liverpool's left back role is now more left centre back than sort of the the galloping forward left wing back and while Robertson when he's played they still want you know, they still want that in, in the side. There is a, a more of a responsibility and a, a discipline. You wonder if Liverpool, if they do strengthen the defence, that's an area where they think, well, we might need someone who can play left centre back and left back rather than a, a Simicast type. But equally, Simicast, you know, very very new to the system, not played in it much, so he may be able to de- develop, adapt, and that's what preseason is going to be about. I think finding out exactly who fits into this system. We've already seen a fair few, like Jones, for example, the big winner, I guess, from this system change. Um, but the likes of like a Harvey Elliott and stuff, you're looking at how exactly do they do they fit into this system, and that should then, you know, play into you know any other business than the obvious, which is the the midfield. Yeah, Kiva, have you any idea? Because I haven't. What to expect from this Jorg Schmadiger if he when he if and when he arrives? I mean, his arrival appears to be imminent, but. It, it's a big job to hit the ground running on, isn't it? At this stage. Yeah, I think his job will be obviously important in the coming weeks. But you'd imagine and you'd hope that Liverpool have got a lot of, you know, those transfers almost lined up and a lot of that, I guess, legwork around it, you know, already done and things sort of getting closer to being, I guess, finalised for a lot of different things. I know there's a lot of moving parts to a lot with players, agents and, you know, other clubs and different things. So you'd imagine he's coming in and could just you know, have a little bit of a tap in here and there and then, you know, get down to some, I guess, work ahead of like planning for what's next because that's what Liverpool have always been good at. Well, where for a long time, getting the players targeted and in, you know, not maybe this summer for some of them, it'll be, you know, when the winter win- winter winter 
comes around. That was hard to say. Um, <laughs> comes around again. You know, that kind of thing, that forward planning, that finding those gem, those hidden gems, the, you know, Brighton are finding wherever they are. You know what I mean? Getting the player before they go to Brighton or, you know, another Premier League team or whatever it is. I think that work has to, has to happen and has to happen constantly and quickly and, you know, at the very top level because, you don't stay at the top if you're not the top at all of those things behind the scenes as well. Yeah, James, I mean, who else you see coming in? I mean, should they just send a minibus down to Brighton and, like, load <laughs> us up? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it wouldn't be the worst idea, would it? Um, I mean, I'd be I'd be surprised if there was, if there was another one from Brighton uh, as well as McAllister. I think... Um, as much in an, as an ideal world, you tell McAllister to bring his mate Casido with him. I think probably financially that is a little bit unrealistic. So yeah, it is going to be it's going to be interesting. We we know that you know Liverpool have been very interested in Mason Mount, but as I said before, you know at, at the minute it looks like his preference is Old Trafford. So of you know they're going to have to react to that. But yeah, a lot of groundwork has been done. I think we know there's been so many meetings going on behind the scenes and. Uh, you know, sit downs with agents, establishing exactly what it would take to to get a player to to Liverpool, and and what kind of fees would be in, involved, and personal terms, and you know, and different lists drawn up. Because of course, until last week, Liverpool didn't know whether they were going to be a Champions League club or or a Europa League club next season. You know, Graven Birch at Bayern Munich is an interesting one in terms of we, we know that. Liverpool would would love him, but Bayern, as things stand, have been very reluctant to to even talk about potentially selling him, despite his lack of starts there. So you know, it, you, you kind of think, well, is you know, is that a firm stance or is that just a bit of kidology designed to to get the maximum fee for him, especially if um, he does turn around and tell them he he wants to move on? So yeah, it's it's going to be a going to be a really busy busy few weeks I think you know Klopp admitted that himself in terms of uh, you know he, he may well be going off on his holidays but um, yeah I don't think he'll be too far away from from his phone and you know as Kiva said with Schmadka coming in a lot of the work has already been done and you know of course the, the sales pitch it you know is done to a large extent by Klopp you know he is still a massive driver in terms of attracting people to Liverpool and financial decisions are ultimately made by Mike Gordon, the FSG president. So it's not like, it's not like, you know, Schmacker doesn't have just free reign to come in. And, you know, sometimes you can almost overestimate the sporting director role because, um, yeah, I think, you know, Klopp and Mike Gordon will be ju- just as influential. It's it's down just down to Schmadka to do the, the negotiating and, you know, and and probably you know as well as driving a hard bargain, just trying to ensure that things don't drag on and you, you don't get sagas that then potentially open the door for another club to whip away from you a player that you really want. We're sponsored for this episode of Walk On by LinkedIn, so it's only right that we crowbar in a reference to Liverpool's super slick recruitment process while we talk them up. Because when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. Like Arnie Slot, probably. 
In any given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. In fact, on LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. So hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash walk. That's L-I-N-K-E-D-I-N dot com slash walk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Roberto Firmino. This is Walk On from The Athletic with me, Tony Evans, James Pearce, Kiefer O'Neill and Andy Jones. Well, before we head off to the summer break, let's just talk one more time about this dreadful season. At the, at the standout moments, the good, the bad and the ugly. Imagine though, imagine you one of that small group of Reds who can say, I saw uh, the mellow live. <laughs> I was there. I was there. James hasn't shut up about it. I also saw Arthur Mello grace the Papa John's trophy. And I saw him. I saw him get subbed off for Jay Spearing. Oh, that is a collector's yeah. item. Yeah, and there was free pizza in the press box that night as well at Rochdale. Yeah, forget Istanbul. I was there for Arthur Mello. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, come on. I think there's an obvious one here. Our favourite moments of the season, Kiva. Liverpool seven, Manchester United nil. Is is anyone going to argue with that? Do you know what? As in terms of just a moment, for me, it would have to be Jota's late winner against Tottenham. As much as like in the grand scheme of things, obviously it counted for nothing in terms of the top four. But just just the beauty of wiping that smug look off Richarlison's face. Um, especially when you put it in the context of that was his only Premier League goal of the season. His only Premier League goal of the season. And taking his shirt off, shushing the Liverpool fans. And then Liverpool going straight down the other end. And Lucas Moura putting one on a plate for... For Jota, so um, yeah. In, in terms of in terms of a game, of course, it would have to be that historic demolition of United because that was that was glorious. But yeah, if it, if we're talking just moments, then that <laughs> the four three against Tottenham with the late twist for me. Yeah, and Andy, there was other moments. I mean, your mate Turkowski hitting the post and then going <laughs> up the other end. I mean, it's like what was it? 1.2 seconds later, Salah scores. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, to say in that sort of moment that looked like it could be horrific to one of pure ecstasy was excellent. And yeah, there's, <laughs> you try and think, and there's, there's actually not that many moments, is there? But there has been. I mean, that 20 minutes against Madrid was good. Uh, the rest wasn't. But then the, the community shield was, everyone, you know, when you just thought, oh, Liverpool are, you know, still exactly where they were, they're, they're going to go on and, and you know, be a force in in every competition, and oh, how we laughed when when Alan Haaland missed that sitter. But I think that is exactly why he's done what he's done since, <laughs> because he decided that day that nah, he wasn't having this again. He was just going to destroy the Premier League, which is what he's done. Uh, but the Community Shield itself, great day. Nunes had that moment, and obviously, unfortunately, he's not had more of them, and hopefully that. Plenty more are to come um, in, in the seasons to, to come. But in terms of obviously getting one over Man City, that was a, it was a really good day and a really good game and a, 
a really good win. Yeah. You wonder whether they were playing rope as hope with us, though, don't you? I mean, you know, I would say. I, I, <laughs> but uh, low points, Kiva. I mean, for me, it was, you know, you, you're 2-0 up against Real Madrid and you think, we're on the march. Istanbul again. Here we come. I boot me train. And then it all fell apart. Yeah, that's the one sore point of the season, isn't it? Because 2-0 up after struggling against Real Madrid in Champions League finals of recent years and even just in the Champions League in general, felt like, all right, this is the start. This is the Liverpool that we get to see, like almost reminiscent of the best European nights, but also, you know, the one against Man City where Liverpool just, you know, obliterated them and quite quickly felt like that. And then it just all fell away. And then we were just left picking up the pieces and... Obviously, Liverpool go away to Madrid and are unable to lay a glove on them, which I think just summed up the whole season and I guess the sort of decline. I do feel like for me, the one game that I was just like, God, this is bad, was Brentford away. Um, I think January 2nd or something, was it? That was just, I think that was a real low point. And there were maybe lower points after it, Brighton, Wolves, you know, games where Liverpool just didn't even look like they were on the pitch. But that game summed something up. It just felt like you were looking at Jürgen Klopp and, you know, looking at those players, just thinking, what is going on there? Nobody is recognisable. I think that was the worrying point. Liverpool somehow come out of that, which is, you know, mad because I just never felt like that could happen when we were just deep in that feeling. Yeah, James, what what was your lowest moments? <laughs> Um, I think the one that probably drove me to KFC the most would, <laughs> would, would, um, was the, th- the 3-0 defeat at Molyneux in, um, what was that, early February, I think it was. Um, there was I, I couldn't go past Keel Services on the way back after that. That Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult to pick in the deer this season because there has been so many when you think, you know, we actually lost the only the only defeat at home in the league was to relegated Leeds, and you think of some of those pitiful away performances at at Brighton and Brentford and and Forest and you know Bournemouth to lose one nil at Bournemouth six days after putting seven past Manchester United. I mean, sublime to the ridiculous. But I think in terms of an inept team performance, lacking in anything that, that you've kind of come to expect from a Klopp team over so, such a long period. It would have to be that three nil at Molyneux. I mean, it just it it really was shambolic. And I think you know that that's why there is a little bit of positivity going into the summer because I, I've got to admit, you know, coming away from Molyneux that day and it was quite a lively evening after that because Jurgen decided he didn't fancy answering what I asked him in the press conference afterwards. Um, but um, you know, you, you kind of thought, well. Have the players almost stopped listening? It was that bad that day, and it wasn't just a one-off. It was a collection of of results, um, and and you thought, you know, whatever, you know, and Liverpool had had a full week to prepare. I think for that game, having got knocked out the FA Cup to Brighton, and you were thinking, you know, you've had a full week, to like, and they started like like they just weren't ready for it. They weren't prepared. There was what what was the plan? And you kind of you're thinking, you know, you know, I really hope things aren't going to like. At that point, you thought, will the everything just completely unravel, you know, and then, you know, it wasn't that long after that, was it? I remember Klopp kind of half joking in a press conference at, at Kirby, you know, I guess you're, you're thinking the elephant in the room is why I'm sat, still sat here when so many other clubs were, were pulling the trigger and, 
and, and sacking managers. But of course, it was that was never a, a serious debate because of the amount of credit Klopp, Klopp has got in the bank. You know, quite rightly, in my opinion, he's had the unwavering backing of everyone. But yeah, there was some there were some proper bleak times there along the way, and yes, some mitigating circumstances with the the punishing injury setbacks, but um, yeah, also some you know, really, really alarming team performances that 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 made you fear for the future. But you know, twenty five points out the last thirty three is as at least kind of um, provided a little bit of momentum going into the summer. Yeah, I mean, and have you started therapy for your KFC addiction? <laughs> I just bought some bigger jeans. <laughs> Andy, <laughs> what was your what, what was your low point? Um, I'd, I'd I'd agree with with what um, the others have said. I think for, there was sort of two for me: one one a game and one not a, like, sort of an injury. Um, I think Luis Diaz's re-injury during the World Cup break was like a really low point because there'd been a lot of oh we're going to get Luis Diaz back and we're going to have Jota back and suddenly we're going to look like Liverpool again. And then you know within a day or two days of him training. There was that pic- then then you saw that picture of him in a hospital bed and he'd had surgery and you just thought, you know, the season's already been tough enough. Why <laughs> why did you make it even tougher? And then it in terms of the game, it was it was a three 0 at Brighton for me, sandwiched in between the, the Brentford and, and the Wolves. And it was because it was the first game in a very, very long time. And I I'm a bit of a pessimist, so I always think every game Liverpool play are gonna be is gonna be hard and it might be tough and you know the opposite can do this, this and this and you know, they might cause Liverpool problems, but it was the first time where you sort of just felt Liverpool were going to lose before it had kicked off. Like it was like they've got they've got no chance here. Brighton are just going to beat them, and it was the, and that was ov- obviously a low point because it's that's it's a very very rare feeling you get in football, that, and it's one that Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp especially you've just never had because they've been so good, they've been so consistent, they've just been better than everyone else, um, and on a par with Man City. But it, that was the first game in a God knows how long where I just, I just knew the, what the result was going to be. I think we need to talk about Brighton. Took four points off us in the league, knocked us out the cup, and then rolled over for Everton. You know what? When we <laughs> shake hands on the McAllister deal, <laughs> I tell you what, we want to count our fingers there because they're probably selling us a ringer, probably selling us Billy McAllister <laughs> or someone, you know, it's, um, I don't know, Brighton. They just... Did us over like a kipper every way this season. Anyway, the maddest moment. Well, for me, obviously, it was it was Nunes arriving at Anfield and get themselves sent off like a plank. <laughs> you know, it's a, I think that was a, a sign of things to come, wasn't it? You know, Andy. I think the, the maddest has just been Nunes in general. Mm. Whenever you watch him play, he was just wild, chaotic. All the good things, but also at times some of the bad things. And yeah, I'd, I'd agree because Liverpool generally is sort of towards the top of the fair play league and all that type of stuff, isn't it? And, you know, they can be a little bit, you know, naughty every now and again, but certainly not to the level of just turning our head button someone. So yeah, that was, it was just, it was bizarre more than mad, wasn't it? Because you just you couldn't quite believe it had happened. And then also then you read that, you know, he's had this all, you know, you think, oh, maybe. You know, someone's just wind them up, but he doesn't deal well with all that type of stuff. And then you sort of read that, no, actually, he was, he's dealt with this for years and he's been sound. But for some reason, um, he decided on his, his home debut for Liverpool that he was just going to, um, he's just going to do that. Um, and obviously, that sort of, yeah, helped set the tone of what became 
this, what this season has become. But yeah, in terms of the mad moments, there's, there's not really been... Well, there's Alisson against Real Madrid, isn't it? You know, you think Alisson, Real Madrid, you see Courtois make a mistake at one end, and then you think, oh, you know, that's that's surreal. Good goalkeepers don't do things like that. And Alisson's like, hey, hey Courtois, hold me beer. <laughs> it's one against Wolves as well. Um, he just passed to the fella. <laughs> it was just like standing next to him, just passed the wall. I, I, I believe that's known as that mad. He's had so much more to do this season. <laughs> He's just some at some point he must just be like, Ugh, what's going on here? But it, he, he's, so, he's think, so used to people having shots at him now that he's just thought, well, we'll just cut out the middleman and I'll just pass it to you. Do you know what I love about goalkeepers though? Like even the best in the world, Alison Becker, whoever else can have just a completely mad moment. It gives me confidence in life, to be honest, because you know, they're absolutely brilliant and then they do something really silly and stupid and I'm like, do you know what? I shouldn't be as hard on myself. Like, we can all do silly stuff at times. I think on those wise words, we should sign off for the summer. So that's all from Walk On, your Liverpool podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Uh, thanks to James, Kiever and Andy and you for listening. Well, enjoy your summer. We'll be taking a break before being back with you in August, hopefully with a fully functioning Liverpool midfield. In the meantime, keep an ear out for the odd interview and specials that could be popping up on the feed. We'll catch you before the new season as Jürgen gets the red machine firing again. The Athletic.